AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com. And with the KDOS 1060 app, it's Friday. It's March 1st. We made it to March here in the extra point on KDOS AM 1060. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do, Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Let's set the scene here with today's poll questions, and we'll get things started here with the KDOS1060.com poll question. But first, I want to point out that Bob had an extensive conversation about college hoops with Ricky O'Donnell from SB Nation. And if you missed it, you can podcast that interview over at KDOS1060.com or with the KDOS1060 app. But here we go for the poll question. Who should be the college national basketball player of the year? Tennessee's Dalton Connect or Purdue's Zach Eady? And 78% of the vote is on Connect and 22% is on Eady. Yeah, that conversation uh, with Ricky was tremendous. I was actually taking notes while I was listening to what he says. So uh, if you missed that, check it out uh, via podcast version. All right. As far as this goes, I would never imagine this was even going to be a question. I knew who Dalton Connect was in December because I watch a lot of college basketball. I'm guessing the general public had no idea who he was until maybe even a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but he's been incredible. And he is leading Tennessee to a possible uh, regular season SEC championship. Uh, it seems to me that uh, many people, there's no question about this. In fact, it's not even seems to me. Uh, many people just handed the ED this award for a second consecutive year weeks ago before Connect led Tennessee on this run. So I think this is actually now a legitimate question. Uh, we will officially answer the question around 12.30 today, so still plenty of time for you to cast your vote. Tossing this on over to X at KDUS AM 1060. We've been talking about it all week, and we're also going to continue forward uh, with the list of things that are catching everyone's attention for all 32 teams uh, this week in the NFL Combine. But are you going to be watching the NFL Combine on-field work on the NFL Network. And, Bob, I know you hate when uh, uh, questions and answers are landslides. We continue with a landslide. No out in front at 100% of the vote. Well, heck with me. I'm sure the NFL's got to be very you know, pissed off about this because <laughs> they put a uh, thousand hours into programming the Combine every week. And, uh, you know, last I looked and I've since flipped the channel – uh, they had J.J. McCarthy on there talking uh, to, I think it was the general media. I'm not sure if it was a one-on-one or with the general media. And one of the things he talked about, about the only thing I really heard him talk about, because we're doing a show here last hour, and I'm trying to just catch what they say during the segments and the, when we're off, you know, when we're doing, you know, when we have a break for a couple of minutes. Uh, he has a hamstring injury, so he's going to try to work out, I believe he said. 
Uh, right now, he's the only that uh, only guy, the top four quarterbacks, at least a projected top four quarterbacks, expected to work out in uh, at the combine in Indianapolis. Another question that we officially answer around 12:30 today. If you'd like to chime in, your phone calls 11:30 and 12:15, and the number to do so 602-260-1060. Let's start though with last night on the hardwood with the Phoenix Suns. It ended up being a 110 to 105 win over the Rockets. Bradley Beal continues to be sidelined with a hamstring injury. Royce O'Neal got the start again for also an injured Eric Gordon dealing with groin tightness here you have Devin Booker he got the scoring started for the Suns with 20 points in the first quarter he was 8 of 10 and 4 of 4 from 3 he finished the night with 35 points 13 of 27 and 6 of 11 from 3 this is a wild stat that I heard Uh, Devin Booker has never made more than six threes in a regular season NBA game with all of his yeah with all of his scoring success that he's had you know dropping 50 60 70 he has been stuck on six three-pointers in an NBA regular season game. Uh, I know he's gotten to seven in a playoff game, so maybe that matters a little bit more. But still, uh, pretty interesting little tidbit there. Well, I think that's for a couple reasons. One, he's got such a good mid-range game. So, you know, mid-range game, and I know all the metrics people hate that, but I'm sorry, he's, he, he and Durant are tremendous at the mid-range game, and the Suns would be stupid if they ignored that. Uh, and they have it, uh, no matter who the coach has been. So that's a good thing. The other thing is he's – I think the thing that he's improved upon the most in his game personally is taking the ball to the rim. Uh, that's something uh, – they you know, he was – what is he, like 19 when he first got here, I believe? Uh, you know, obviously, he's gotten much stronger. Uh, he couldn't take it – you know, couldn't take the hits against, uh, you know, get, you know, bigger opponents at the rim – and that's another thing that he does. He does that exceptionally well now. Whether it's him or, you know, he's one of the best in the league at that. So he would also be foolish if he didn't you know, take advantage of that strength that he has. And strength in more ways than one. Kevin Durant, he added 24 points. Uh, he made an early three in the game. And I thought, okay. Uh, here he goes. He's going to get back on track. We had chronicled in yesterday's show that uh, it's a little over 20% from behind the arc in the last eight games. If you wanted to take the 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 number of games further than that, it goes up to about 30% over the last you know 15 or so games. But it has been kind of a little bit of a of a slump here for a while. But ultimately, it was just one nice made three. He was eight of 19 and one of three from three. He did add seven rebounds and six assists. Nurkic, he did foul out, but 16 points and 13 rebounds for him. Eight of 16 from the foul line, seven turnovers. He hasn't had too many turnovers in many games prior to this, but there's been a little bit of an increasing trend with some turnovers, so hopefully he uh, he can get that under control here moving forward. And I know that there's not really a whole lot that you want to take away from this particular game, but I just thought it would be interesting to get your assessment on Nurkic. For me, it still really frustrates me watching him when he's under the hoop, um, missing little little putbacks and shots around the rim. And we had talked about those numbers that he had when he was in Portland before he officially got here. And I think we're kind of seeing similar things bear out here uh, in person. But what do you make of the physicality that he plays with? Is there an air of toughness that he brings that you like? 
Yeah, that's good. I mean, he can rebound. I mean, there can't be too many team, uh, many players in the entire league that's a worse defender than him. Uh, I mean, they've had to get him off the floor in some games when uh, the opponents put him in pick-and-roll situations. And uh, that's not all his fault. Uh, that's also a big reason that the you know, big reason for that problem is that the Suns have nobody that can guard any perimeter player that can put the ball on the floor. Uh, you know, it, it, there there can't be. I don't know. There must be some kind of metric somewhere that has this. There can't be many teams in in basketball in several years, let alone this year, that is worse keeping opponents out of the paint off the bounce. And that puts uh, Nurkic. Uh, the teams are able to exploit him. Yeah, you know, they got that got basically bowl bowl. They had to take him out last night. Because he can't defend the pick and roll either, but you know he's a big dude and a much bigger dude than you know, he, 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 I can understand why Bull Bull can't defend the pick and roll. I can't understand uh, how Nurkic, who's been in the league for many years, is still this bad at pick and roll defense. Yeah, uh, you know, that's that's certainly going to be a problem uh, moving forward because people are going to it's, be able to. It's exploit not going to change. This is never going to change. I mean, he hasn't changed it yet. I mean, he just is, doesn't – he can't do it. And that, like I said, it's not all his fault. And that's not going to change either because the Suns don't have anybody physically capable of keeping a point. I've been talking about this for the whole year. Even bad point guards, guys that don't penetrate very often, go wherever they want against the Suns because the Suns don't have any defenders, none – that can defend a perimeter guard, especially, or a point guard who can get to the get to the rim. They got even mediocre guys. They can't do that, and that's not going to change. And the other thing, they can't be messing around against the Rockets. They're the second worst road team in the league. They've lost eight. They've lost nine consecutive road games now, almost all of them by double digits. And the Suns, they have a 21-point lead in this game. It's a four-point game in the fourth quarter, and they have to use Durant for 40 minutes and Booker for 39 minutes. This is the first of a three-game and four-night stretch for the Suns. These are the kind of things why I just am amazed at people that think they're any good. They're not. Yeah, this is definitely uh, you're up 20 and you allow it to come back to a two-possession game, uh, and you have to, as you pointed out, play Devin Booker and play Kevin Durant as many minutes as you had to. And just in general, the night itself was poor shooting from everyone involved. For the Suns, 40% from the floor, 35.1% from three. Uh, The Rockets, they didn't shoot the ball well either, 33% from the floor and 24% from three. But, yes, you need to uh, take it, like, one, good that they got the win because then we'd be having a whole other set of conversations if they uh, lost to the Rockets. They have one more against the Rockets on Saturday. But then to your point, then the real big stretch starts, and that starts as quickly as Sunday, so a back-to-back against the Oklahoma City Thunder. But none of this is new. We've been saying this since, at least I have, since the end of October and the regular season started. This stuff happens all the time, and I don't care who's playing, the big three are playing or not. That hasn't mattered either, quite frankly. They just don't they're – they're not a good team. I mean, they're an average at best team, and I'm stunned. I hear on ESPN every day uh, and on NBA Network when I don't watch it every day, but when I do, I'm, I'm amazed – 
how many basketball experts seem to think that this is a good team that has a chance to do something once we get to the postseason? How many games do we have to see to realize that they're not – It would be. I would be shocked, and I don't use that word unless I mean it. I would be shocked if they did anything in the postseason. As it is now, a look at the NBA West standings. The Timberwolves out in front at 42 and 17. The Thunder 41 and 18. The Nuggets in third at 41 and 19. The Clippers 37 and 20. The Suns at 35 and 24. In fifth, the Pelicans 35 and 25. The Mavs 34 and 25. The Kings 33 and 25. Then the Lakers 33 and 28. And the Warriors at 31 and 27. And a couple of reasons why we got to where we are with the standings from last night uh, you have the Warriors beating the Knicks 110 to 99 you have the Spurs beating the Thunder 132 to 118 in the rookie of the year battle Victor Wembanyama, 28 points 9 of 17 5 of 7 from 3 13 rebounds 7 assists Two steals and five blocks, just two turnovers. Chet Holmgren on the other side for the Thunder, 23 points, 8 of 12, 1 of 4 from 3, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, 1 block, and 1 turnover. And the Nuggets, they beat the Heat yesterday, 103-97. to couple things. First up, let's start with the Lakers. Uh, people that thought the Suns winning this game against the Lakers on Sunday was impressive. That was an impressive victory. Why? The Lakers, they got more problems than the Suns do. The Lakers last night, yeah, LeBron ended up playing the back-to-back game. Anthony Davis had to score 40 points and had 15 rebounds. LeBron had 31 points, and they almost lost to the Wizards. They they beat the Wizards in overtime last night. Yeah, Not, uh, not great for them. In those two situations, they're not, you know, again, not taking care of uh, the team by beating teams that you should easily handle. uh, But yeah, instead, uh, having to expend much more energy and in an overtime to get the win. Unbelievable. Now, the, the Warriors are a different thing, even though last night's a bad example because the Knicks have no players uh, at this point. Why well, shouldn't uh, Jalen Brunson's playing again? But, you know, they've got, you know, you can make an argument that four of the five best Knicks players are not playing right now, uh, including Randall and Oban, and Ananobi, who's not playing either. They're injured. And uh, the AP story I saw last night, uh, in fact, I have it printed out, or not printed, I have it pasted here. They don't know when they'll be back as far as the Knicks go. Uh, so there you go. So the Warriors did win that game at MSG last night. Uh, the Warriors have now won 10 out of 12 games, uh, and they, they, they've actually they, they've been very good here of late. And I actually think that they're a team that could win a playoff round or maybe even two. The way that they're current, currently constructed, their health situation, they've done a really good job. Steve Kerr has done an excellent job of changing the rotation and you know, you know, basically you know, sitting Clay Thompson and playing Kaminga more, and Kaminga was tremendous last night. I saw highlights of this game, and he had some spectacular plays. He ended up scoring 25 points, and uh, you know, people, you know, the New York City fans love it when you have, you have no matter if it's the other team, because uh, they're basketball fans and they understand the sport, unlike some cities that don't. Uh, but the New York City crowd, you know, it, the city game, it was a book that I read when I was very young. 
about the Knicks and it was about how the, you know, the city game, New York City, that's the game. Uh, and uh, they get their basketball. Kaminga had 25 points last night and had some spectacular plays. Uh, now this is a guy that was the high, top high school prospect in the country uh, when he was a senior in high school. Uh, underachieved and had some issues, a couple of issues off the floor, and on a lot of teams just bypassed him on the draft because he had issues and a lot of people didn't want to deal with him. Uh, the Warriors gave, uh, gave him a chance or you know, took a chance on him and drafted him much later than he should have been drafted. And he looks like he's going to be a really, really good player for a really, really long time. Yeah, and he's been a big reason why the Warriors have kind of ascended here in the last couple of of weeks, you know, and the decision as well to move Clay Thompson to the bench, uh, Kaminga coming into his own, Steph Curry uh, obviously doing Steph Curry things, and then Draymond Green coming back from suspension obviously helped uh, shore up things uh, in in the post yeah. for the Warriors. Well, and now they got Chris Paul back, and he was a big part last night for them. He had 11 points and six assists. That's only his second game back uh, after he missed 21 games with a broken left hand. And he's a really good uh, – he, he, he's playing a lot of minutes or playing minutes, and that gets, that gets Steph off the ball some. Doesn't have to do everything. Uh, so that's much easier for him. He's been an excellent fit in Golden State, which I said would happen at the time. And we just got done talking about the Suns who can't run an offense and it's keep all their fourth quarter issues are the worst team in the NBA in the fourth quarter. They were the best team in the NBA in the fourth quarter and Chris Paul was here. Maybe the Suns should have kept Chris Paul somehow. They would have had to pay him, but I'd rather have him than Bradley Beal on my team. The Suns, they get back at it, uh, playing the Rockets again on Saturday, 7 p.m. on 3TV, then Sunday versus Oklahoma City, 7.30 p.m. on ESPN. There's some other notable games on Sunday. The Clippers at the Timberwolves, the Warriors at the Celtics, and the Knicks at the Cavs. Yeah, and the Mavs play the uh, – I forgot who they uh, – we got to check my schedule here for tonight. Is it the Mavs and the Celtics are playing tonight? Yes, that's, that's tonight? tonight. Yeah, that'll be fun. I mean, uh, you know, hopefully the Celtics will have some energy left because that game is going to be up and down. Even if, uh, no matter if you think the Mavs are improved defensively, and I do think that they've improved defensively, but even if they are improved defensively, that's going to be an up and down game. In fact, the total in that game is two thirty-six. <laughs> so that's tonight in, in Boston. <laughs> Yeah, you know, hopefully that is it, it is a fun contest uh, tonight on the hardwood between these yeah. two teams. And uh, can anyone slow anyone down? That's always the question, right? Yeah. If I were actually not going to dinner tonight with somebody who has never watched a basketball game in her life, I would actually make time to watch a rare NBA regular season game for me. But I, I've got other plans. Thank God. <laughs> AM 1060 into your home with Alexa. Hi, I'm Alexa. Download the KTUS AM 1060 skill and enable. Then say, Alexa, open KTUS AM 1060. This is where I start my day. Welcome back to Extra Point on this Friday, March 1st. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Carrying this over from yesterday, the Athletic had put together what we're following for all 32 teams. 
uh, in the NFL Combine or at the NFL Combine, and we made it through uh, going alphabetical order, the Arizona Cardinals through the Las Vegas Raiders. So it's time for us to continue with the Los Angeles Chargers. And the main focus here, and I think this is going to be a focus for some time until we hit the appropriate uh deadline day in the NFL to get things kind of started, new league year, all that sort of fun stuff, is their salary cap situation. They are $31.7 million over the salary cap. Uh, you had general manager Joe uh, Ortez uh, ask, being asked about wide receivers Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, edge rushers Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, and he said this week we're still working through it. Obviously, the salary cap got bumped up a little bit higher than I think everyone was expecting. It gives us some flexibility a little bit, but one, you have Mike Williams coming off of an ACL you have Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, and then Keenan Allen also with high uh, hits to the cap here. New head coach, new general manager, curious what their philosophy is going to be moving forward. Yeah, and obviously Williams, uh, you know, he's amazing that he's made, maybe been able to make it through this long. He, he broke his neck, basically, when he was in college in Clemson. Uh, and he's, uh, he, unfortunately, he's been frequently injured, and it's – God bless him. It's always something different. Uh, so, you know, was it a torn ACL last year? I think it was. I believe so, uh, yes. So, so, in addition to all these guys you just mentioned, there are various reports out there in the last few days. Is there, They've decided that Austin Eckler is not going to be part of their future unless he takes a massive pay cut. That is also true. He probably should have been added to the list. Maybe the thought here is that uh, he's not going to be coming back, so it's a it's a foregone conclusion that he's not going to be returning. Well, and I'm curious how much interest there's going to be in him as far as let's say he just becomes a free agent. I don't know how many teams are going to be that interested in him, and they're not going to pay him uh, because, A, he's an older running back. He's got to be pushing 30. Uh, the other thing is uh, – He's been hurt a lot. Uh, so when he has played, you know, last year especially, uh, you know, we, we, when we did our, uh, you know, our, our prop bet segments, it was like a weekly question for me asking whether we should bet Eckler under or has the number just gone too low that we can't do it anymore? Yeah, and what's interesting is last year when he was so dynamic for the Chargers and he was basically the only playmaker left uh, because of injuries it was okay how's Austin Eckler going to be deployed this week is it going to be in the run game is it going to be in the pass game should we look at his combined yards because he did have such versatility the one thing we know for sure about Jim Harbaugh is they're going to run the ball um there's no I don't care if it's Justin Herbert or not uh, that's his main thing. He wants to run the ball, whether it's been at the University of San Diego, Stanford, the San Francisco 49ers, or Michigan. He wants to run the ball. And uh, they're going to have to get much better in the offensive line to do that. And I don't think it really matters who the running backs are. Moving on to the Los Angeles Rams, uh, what's interesting here is that the Rams have traditionally not really attended the the combine, the coaching staff, and, and everything along those lines, that they do their work elsewhere. Uh, so it's curious, though, to know what's going to happen for their offseason plan because they will have some new assistants this season. So how is that all going to come together under Sean McVay, who seemed a little bit invigorated last year? 
No doubt. Well, the reason they didn't attend the combine in the past is because they had, like, no draft picks. <laughs> so, True. How many years so, running no first-rounders? Exactly. So why are we here? <laughs> why go to that thing? But then last year, they had a tremendous draft, and they they did it. They killed it in the draft. Uh, they had impact players, uh, obviously Nakua, but they had two front seven defensive players who made big differences were – uh, amongst the best rookies in the N- NFL, and you know they've got to figure out how to get some you know defensive backs, whether it's via free agency. And if I remember correctly, they got they have some cap space here finally too. Uh, after you know years of not having that, they had no cap space and no draft picks. That's an interesting concept. Uh, but uh, you know that's that's changed some of this year. But they they've got to figure out how to get some you know people that can occasionally get a stop in the secondary. I mean because their their defensive backs it wasn't as bad as say the Washington Commanders, but it was not a good secondary. One of the reasons is that Jordan Fuller, who is one of their best players. Um, in fact, he was their best defensive back. I don't even think that's an arguable point. Uh, he got injured and missed a lot of last season. Then we have uh, the, well, moving on to the next team here is the Miami Dolphins. Tua Tungavaloa, are we going to have some extension talks for him? Uh, he enters 2024 with a $23.1 million cap hit, and could you could theoretically franchise tag him after that, uh, so you don't have to do something this offseason. But a team that certainly needs cap relief in the Miami Dolphins, would they want to work on something with Tua to help bring that cap relief around? And then also, what kind of range is Tua looking for? Is it going to be a command of Joe Burrow money at 55 million or is he going to take less is it in uh, a Geno Smith range is it more than a Geno Smith range where does Tua fall in in the uh the the contract category I assume that he thinks he should be getting paid a lot um you're talking to me about Tua though I've <laughs> never quite understood Tua as far as the NFL goes and not just because of concussions. He was he's been injured frequently in his Alabama career, which had nothing to do with concussions. And obviously he's been hurt some in the NFL and he had a couple of injuries before he had the concussion problem two seasons ago. Uh, I would never, and I mean never, maybe I'm just totally wrong about this and this will be one of the dumbest comments I've ever made. Uh, but I would never give him a big term, long term, big money contract. I just don't think he a, is Really, really all that good and B I don't trust him to stay healthy that is a question he did well this year uh staying healthy and it wasn't even a great offensive line they had suffered plenty of injuries on that offensive that's true line. so uh maybe some of that work that he did in the offseason learning how to fall in his jiu-jitsu and things of that nature have paid off this <laughs> season that's true uh, that's a really good point and uh yeah, however, I would suggest that if you have a qu- uh, quarterback that does have some injury history, you should be better in the offensive line, but that wasn't necessarily their fault. I mean, yeah, was it was 80% of those guys were all injured by the time we got to December of the original starting five in the offensive line. So, you know, there were a lot of offensive line injuries really the last two years in the NFL, but, you know, they might have been the most the prime example of the biggest problem is just as far as injuries and players – yeah, games missed, they got to be pretty close to the top of that list. 
Moving to the Minnesota Vikings, uh, where do things stand between the Vikings and Kirk Cousins? His contract voids March 12th, and the Vikings would have to pay $28.5 million in a dead cap hit if obviously nothing gets done. If something does get done, then things get moved around and, and everything changes dynamics for the Vikings and their money here. So will the Vikings and Cousins reps sit down this week? That'll be something that uh, is paying attention, close attention to for the Minnesota Vikings and the direction they're going. I would also have to think, too, that if the Vikings bring back Kirk Cousins, uh, one, the, the numbers make sense, but two, maybe it suggests that they believe they can contend in the division or for a wild card spot, and they're not going to just kind of blow everything up and start over that if they move forward and don't have a veteran in place and they're going in a direction of a rookie that they're maybe reevaluating where they think this team is i could be wrong about this but i'm pretty sure i heard the nfl live yesterday that they did meet this week with cousins representation or cousins or something like that there doesn't seem to be a high likelihood that he's going somewhere else my, the next thing for the New England Patriots here, quarterback Jaden Daniels. Uh, scouts want to see Jaden at or above 210 pounds this week. Uh, he, How will Jaden Daniels test and do on the whiteboard with the Patriots? This will go a long way in determining if they take a quarterback, take Marvis and Harrison Jr. at number three, bring in a veteran quarterback, stick with Mac Jones. So many different options here ahead for the Patriots. Well, that last one should never be an option. Uh, there's to stick with Mac Jones after what he's delivered for the last two years and one month, even of his rookie season, how in God's name would anybody stick with Mac Jones at this point? That'd be like the, maybe the dumbest move in the history of the NFL. He cannot be a starting quarterback. Uh, how many games do we need him to prove this? Uh, so there's that, uh, as far as this whole thing goes, uh, the Jaden Dan first up, um, do we know if he actually got did the medical testing and so forth? Because Caleb Williams didn't, and neither did uh, Marvin Harrison. Yeah, and so I don't look. know that he's doing medicals either, but um, yeah. is he able to still sit down with teams? Oh, well, he can do that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's plenty of guys here that have not done the medical testing this week. This is starting to look like, I was thinking about this last night. Uh, when I was dozing, between dozing off, literally dozing off during the Suns game, uh, that you know, this is starting to remind me of the NBA. Uh, they're, you know, when they have a combine, and almost never, almost nobody gets medically tested there. If you're a good player, uh, anybody that you know is you know, kind of established themselves as one of the top players in the draft, almost nobody has that happen. They don't work out either, but you know we've seen that in the NFL for a while. But I'm start. I start. It just kind of you know, occurred to me that this is what's been happening in the NBA for several years. Yeah, and you know, it's very curious to your point on this notion how things have just really changed dramatically in general, right? Like the original sentiment that. Uh, 
uh, players need to play in bowl games. And then you started to evolve into, no, they don't want to impact their draft stock by playing in these bowl games. And now we've transitioned into a time where these bowl games, unfortunately, if they're not the CFP, really don't have a whole lot of meaning. But now we've kind of just seen things really changing over time as to where the importance is being placed. And the combine, maybe at this point, at least of this year, some of the top people, it's more the pro days that are more uh, important than the combine is. Well, and if I remember correctly, when the combine started years ago, the primary you know, whole thing, or the, the uh, majority, the, maybe the most important thing is a better way to put this, was the fact that these guys were going to get medically tested. That was like a huge deal uh, because you know they didn't do that in college or they didn't believe the colleges, what they were saying and so forth. So that, that was, you know, I don't know if that was why the combine actually started, but it was a huge deal when it did st- you know, get started. And was that, that was the case for several years. Yeah. And then also like housing everybody in one location. And so the ease and the convenience of things. And now we're kind of going in a different direction. Um, so we'll see how that all unfolds. But when we come back, we will pick things up with the New Orleans Saints We'll try to zip through the rest of the teams here in the Extra Point on KDUS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDUS1060.com and with the KDUS 1060 app. Also, if you'd like to chime in, now is the segment to do so. 602-260-1060 in this hour. Give us a call, 602-260-1060. Continuing NFL conversation, 32 teams, NFL combine here in the Extra Point. Your caddy, Ray Adams, takes you beyond the 18th hole on Saturday mornings with Great American Golf from 6 to 7 a.m. on KDUS AM 1060. Eleven forty-three here on KDOS AM ten sixty. It is Friday. It is March first. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until one o'clock today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Continuing uh, this list coming from the Athletic, and then our own things that have transpired from the rest of the week, and other thoughts on the team about what we're following for all thirty-two teams at the NFL Combine. We're next up here with the New World. Orleans Saints and the uh, topic here is offensive tackles and pass catchers they say here that the Saints are always over the cap and always find a way so let's just call that old news which is interesting (laughs) because they did according to Ian Rappaport restructure Cam Jordan's contract uh, um, paving the way for about 1.3 million dollar savings they have already done Derek cars which is like 23 million dollars in cap savings so they're well on their way to trying to make all of that work yeah and i just hate talking about the saints because i just get depressed because i was so wrong about them last year <laughs> so um there was a they're the team i was most wrong about i think in the nfl last year maybe the best most anything i was wrong about in the nfl last year and I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm obviously I'm the wrong person to talk to about the Saints because I was totally wrong about them last year. And I don't think I'm going to get any 
any smarter about the Saints right now. <laughs> Sorry. Well, yeah, so the Saints, I mean, they obviously needed uh, some help on the offensive line and some of the picks that they had to be their next generational offensive linemen haven't quite worked out, already been benched, benched last season. So they're going to need some offensive line help here. And then also uh, wide receiver. I mean, Chris Olave, he's very good. Rashid Shahid, he showed out. Uh, he also showed out a lot in some kick returning duties too. But can you count on Michael Thomas to continue to be healthy? I would say that the history is trending not in that direction. So from that standpoint, uh, there's a plethora of wide receivers in this upcoming draft. Do they go wide receiver route to try to help help bring in some more targets for uh, Derek Carr? Yeah, I understand that theory, but, I mean, this is such a good offensive line draft, they've got to take care of this. I mean, they drafted the clown from Northern Iowa who never could play. And is you know that's the guy that one of the guys they benched last year, and they they have to absolutely positively take care of the offensive line. The New York Giants, uh, Saquon Barkley, watch Giants and Barkley's reps are expected to meet this week. So, what sort of contract will Barkley want? Do they get something? He wants out? to go to the Texans. <laughs> so how's that? <laughs> there I mean, we that's go. out there yesterday. Yeah, that he's pinpointed the Texans is the team he wants to play for. Uh, Then we have the New York Jets, and the Jets for them here listed as the pass catchers. Obviously, they need tons of um, offensive line help as well. They released... I think they released, was it Bakai Becton this week, or they released some? No, Tomlin, Tomlinson. There we go. Lake, Lincoln yeah. Tomlinson. That's who it they, was. They should, they should release Becton. <laughs> so. Okay. Uh, but they yeah. certainly need uh, at least three offensive linemen to fill some holes here, maybe more. Uh, so I'm sure they're yeah. going to be trying to uh, invest in that area. But then also from a wide receiver standpoint, uh, Alan Lazard didn't help much last year. It was basically Garrett Wilson. Aaron Rodgers guy. Yeah. Didn't really work out. Maybe it works out better when Aaron Rodgers comes back and healthy, but as it is right now, you just have Garrett Wilson, who's very good. So uh, they're probably going to need some pass catching help too, but I would think really ultimately need to address that offensive line. Yeah. And yeah, I think we've learned over the years, maybe more than anything in NFL free agency, there are very few offensive linemen that are going to be impact offensive linemen that are free agents. Uh, so almost always you have to address the offensive line to improve through the draft. Then we have the Philadelphia Eagles. Are they organized? Will Nick Sirianni be involved? <laughs> <laughs> Will Nick Sirianni be involved in the Kellen Moore offense? Uh, what defensive players? Oh my God, that's right, Kellen Moore. Yep. Okay. What defensive players will they be selecting, uh, and how will they all fit in with the Vic Fangio system? The Vic Fangio system that's now being coached by Vic Fangio. Yeah, uh, who nobody seemed to like in the entire you know, South Beach area. Uh, players, uh, you know, Mike McDaniel, anybody uh, that, that, that was a disaster. Uh, you know, they didn't play as well as anticipated when healthy, and uh, as frequently, or excuse me, as recently as this week. Uh, Jalen Ramsey had some not flattering things to say about Vic Fangio. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, I think Kellen Moore is, uh, I don't understand the fascination. They fired him in Dallas. He was absolutely awful with the Chargers. And he's got another job in like three seconds, right? Snap your fingers and he's got a new job. Uh, So good luck with that. 
We'll take a break. We'll continue forth with the Pittsburgh Steelers staying in Pennsylvania on the other side of the break. We have one, two, three, four, five, six more teams to get through, and then we round out all 32 with the NFL Combine this week. Maybe we'll also have some time to touch on a few other things that have trickled out this week around the NFL and the NFL Combine. It is the Extra Point wrapping up hour number one on the other side of the break on this Friday, March 1st. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. We'll do what's best for the team, and we'll do what's best for you. The Rich Eisen Show, coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. After midnight. Wrapping up hour number one here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Continuing our uh, conversation about the NFL Combine inspired from the athletics, uh, 32 teams. What are we following this week at the Combine? Drills and things are getting started. And, of course, the big day in the Combine is tomorrow, Saturday, where wide receivers, running backs, and quarterbacks get started with their drills, minus the three the supposed, the projected, the mock draft top three uh, quarterbacks will not be participating in tomorrow's combine. As it is, maybe four. Ooh. With if McCarthy can't go, that's I mean, true. He's got yeah. a hamstring thing. He said this morning that he's going to try to go, but uh, that's the one guy I think actually could help himself the most this week as far as the quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I think so, and uh, yeah. Yeah, because right, like I guess medicals are what medicals are going to be. Maybe if they come back better than expected, that could help Michael Penix as well. That's true. That's a really good point. That's a, a tremendous point. In fact, I, yeah, you're right, a hundred percent. Into the Pittsburgh Steelers here. The uh, sentiment is if it's a clean sweep concerning Kenny Pickett. So we've already had um, the fact that there seemed to be suggestion from the owner as well as Mike Tomlin that Kenny Pickett was going to be the quarterback. But is that really true? So we'll see how that all unfolds, what they're going to do in free agency. I know Justin Fields has kind of been linked there. Ryan Tannehill has been linked there. Uh, Russell Wilson at times has been linked there. So curious to see what the Pittsburgh Steelers there think about that quarterback room and that quarterback situation. Well, in the last 20 to 24 to 48 hours, uh, Kenny Pickett's the only guy that's the only quarterback that's left on their roster. Uh, they let go of Trubisky. Uh, they let go of Mason Rudolph, even though they did say publicly that there might be a chance that Rudolph returns. So Pickett's the only guy left on the roster right now as a quarterback. Then we have the San Francisco 49ers, and it's the offensive lineman here. Pretty much everyone but the left tackle could be in play to be replaced for the 49ers here, but they don't wow. pick until number 31. That's, I, mean, I, I thought that the you know, center and the left guard were okay, 
Uh, and I don't remember our various conversations with Matt Mayoko that those guys came up, but certainly right guard, right tackle did. Uh, so there's no doubt that the right side of the offensive line needs to be replaced or upgraded or the guys that started there last year need to be backups. Then we have the Seattle Seahawks here. John Schneider flying solo. Uh, it's the first combine with general manager John Schneider leading football operations. It's always been a tandem effort with him and Pete Carroll. Uh, in addition to that, flying solo, Mike McDonald and staff ended up staying in Seattle to install uh, their system. So they did not come to the combine. It's all been John Schneider and uh, what direction the Seattle Seahawks are going to go. There have been few general managers, and I'm not sure how much, you know, you know, Carol, and I'm sure he had plenty to do with a lot of these picks, but there have been few general managers that have done a better job of drafting in most of the years they drafted in uh, not, not the best positions to draft. Uh, I don't think that anybody's done a better job than John Schneider has. Obviously, the Legion of Boom comes to mind. Uh, and just look at the last two drafts, uh, you know, especially two years ago. Uh, you know, they've, they've done a tremendous job doing whatever, however the assessment is, whatever the process is in Seattle, uh, as far as the draft goes, I think some of their free agent signings have been a little shaky, but the draft, I mean, they've done a really good job many years. And, you know, and like I said, they're not picking you know, very high in the draft very many of these years, and they have hit a lot of home runs. Or scored touchdowns. I guess this is football, right? So. <laughs> yes, football. Score those touchdowns. Kick those field yeah. goals. Get those safeties. Well, you don't want the you don't want the field goals and the safeties. You want to get as many points as possible. So. Well, I'm just saying the defense yeah. gets the safety. Legion of Boom. That well, was my my thought process there. That they're able. Okay, to, that that's a good point. Well, yeah. yeah, we use the home run term, and nobody ever says that they need to hit a single. So <laughs> you got you got to hit a home run. <laughs> Well, yeah, but hey, isn't it Tori Lavella's <laughs> philosophy here? And I'm sure it's many others, right, that you're building. So if you get the single, then the next batter gets the next single to move the guy over. And then they get all That's these true. guys on base. And a grand slam is better than a solo home run. Okay, that's true. Tori's a big margins guy, too. So there you go. That's a big, I think that's his favorite quote. <laughs> On the other side, we'll wrap up the final three remaining teams to get through 32 teams, college football or college hoops conversation, and much more here in hour number two is next.